1: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The following program has been pre recorded. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland, Odyssey Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. This time, we're going to talk about the ways schools around the Portland metro area and the rest of the state are addressing the mental, emotional, and social challenges for students this school year. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Dr. B. Grace Bullock. Dr. Bullock is the senior mental health officer at the Oregon Department of Education. Hello, Dr. Bullock. Welcome to Let's Talk Portland.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: I thought we'd get started today by having you tell us about yourself. What do you do and how did you get there?
0: Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, What do I do? Well, I'm serving, as you said, as the Senior Mental Health Officer for the Oregon Department of Education. Um, I'm a psychologist by training and have been working in Oregon for, gosh, over 20 years now. Um, and uh, I came to this position because ODE really recognized that we needed to center of mental health and education, and that um, it was important to have you know people within the agency that could um, think more more systemically and globally about how we center and embed mental health in schools, and and also to um, really take advantage of all the beautiful work that's being done already, and find a, a way to coordinate that in a. Uh, hopefully a more effective way.
1: How long have you been with the Oregon Department of Education?
0: I am closing in on two years, so I started not too long before COVID.
1: I see. So you've come in at uh, a pretty crucial time.
0: I did, and of course none of us anticipated it, but um, as it turned out, I think that you know it's it's allowed us to have the opportunity to really reflect on what it is that that we're doing in education and across the state and um, really examine, you know, where we need to grow, where the growth points. And also um, it's given us an opportunity to make changes, I think, in a much more rapid way to respond to the needs of families than we might have uh, had it been just business as usual.
1: Mental health lately has really seemed to come to the forefront. And are you finding that people are talking more about mental health?
0: Absolutely. Even when I started at ODE a couple of years ago, I think that the, you know, that the term mental health was often equated with mental illness. And so, um, there was a more of a stigma, I think, than there is now uh, around mental health. And, you know, we've, we've also had the the help of a lot of, you know, prominent athletes and, and other celebrities that are talking about their, their challenges with mental health. And I think that that's brought the conversation more into the
1: mainstream. And those athletes and, and celebrities are talking about it in a real way they're not um, sugarcoating it they're really putting themselves out there
0: yes and I, and I really appreciate that. I think that one of the you know one of the challenges that we've had just in the field of mental health is the the notion that if you are experiencing symptoms if you're feeling sad or frustrated angry uh, anxious that somehow there's something wrong with you and I, I think that you know what we know from the research is that the emotions that we experience are part of how we respond to life events. So it's it's nice to see people talking about their their challenges because I think that we've have this illusion that everyone is doing really well except us, and and it's good to bring that conversation into the mainstream.
1: Yeah, like I've heard several times, it's okay to not be okay.
0: Absolutely. Especially now. I think if there was ever a time to be not okay, it would be during a global (laughs) pandemic. When
1: we can all relate to it, right?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) So let's talk
1: about some of the challenges that kids are facing right now. Um, What are you hearing out there?
0: You know, kids are um, beautiful receptors of their environment and information. And um, also, you know, they, they don't have the benefit of having years worth of experience of seeing that, when things are, are really difficult and challenging, that they often will pass, and there will be something on the other side. So, I think that you know the, the difficulty that I'm hearing a lot of of kids are facing is just feeling like we're we're stuck, and we have been for you know a year and a half now, but we're stuck in this kind of perpetual um, place that doesn't feel good, and it feels like that there's there's no end to it. So, I think it's you know it's it's up to us adults to reinforce the fact that this is not. You know, life as we know it forever, but for the for the given moment, um, it is it's a challenge.
1: Kids have been back in school for a few weeks, uh, even a couple of months now in some places, and um, that must feel really good for them to be able to get back into an environment like that. Are things changing at all?
0: You know, it's it's interesting you mentioned that because I'm hearing a wide range of responses. I think that it all depends on how children or how students were affected by COVID. So for some, being back in the classroom is a wonderful thing. They get to be with their peers. They get to be with their teachers and, and you know, in an environment that they thrive in. And for other students who may have been, you know, more inclined to be introverted, less social, um, students that were bullied, students that had challenges in school, for them getting back into the in-person environment, I think, has been harder because um one, they're dealing with just the stresses of the unknown, but also that being, um, you know, working from home was a, was a benefit to them. So it's really a mixed bag.
1: Yeah. yeah. I have a couple of teenagers in my life, and I've asked them, what do you miss the most? And they always say, I miss my friends the most.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. That- um, and, and for kids that don't have a lot of social connections at school, that's less of, uh, less of an issue than for kids that really thrive on being around peers and doing group activities.
1: We're talking today with Dr. Grace Bullock, Senior Mental Health Officer at the Oregon Department of Education. Now, uh, the Oregon Department of Education is really prioritizing mental health. Let's talk more about why that is and how the state is addressing this.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, the Oregon Department of Education and our partners at the Oregon Health Authority really recognize that mental health is one of the cornerstones of education. So in order for students to learn and teachers to teach and you know, families to thrive, we need to make sure that we're very intentionally thinking about how to create spaces where students can thrive and where their mental health is supported.
1: What does the research and data tell us about how to promote mental health, not only for kids, but for adults too?
0: Well, I'm gonna focus on one particular area of research um, because there is you know, a vast body of research that we can draw from. But one of the, the findings that I think is most relevant, particularly in the era of COVID, is the importance of relationships and social connections. And we know from, you know, decades and decades of research that one of the best ways to promote and uh, support our mental health is through safe, supported, caring relationships. And it's interesting if you look at the research, you know, there are studies that look at the difference um, in an elderly residential home of, uh, of adults who were um, randomly assigned to take care of a plant and those adults who were taking care of a plant and had a connection even with a plant, um, did better in terms of their health and well-being than, than adults that didn't. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a human. Um, many of us have four-legged, uh, four-legged friends that are a great source of emotional support. But having some kind of relationship and some kind of connection uh, is really one of the main ways that we can promote and support our mental health, um, whether it's children or adults.
1: Yeah, that, I think everybody can relate to that. You know, when we're all trapped in our house when we were quarantining a few months back, it was like, okay, this—I—I I feel the walls closing in. This is getting a little creepy.
0: Yeah, it's—it's it, it, so true. Um, and you know, I'm—I'm I'm introverted by nature, so the first few months of COVID, I was thinking, hey, this is great. I get to work from <laughs> home. You know, I don't have to deal with commuting. It's What a a great situation this is. And um, I started noticing when I started feeling antsy about not seeing people, that was really a reflection point for me (laughs) and thinking, wow, this must be really hard for the extroverts out there if I'm having this reaction.
1: Yeah, for sure. Dr. Bullock, you've been doing this work for a long time. Have you ever experienced anything like this, like the pandemic? Obviously, none of us have, I don't think, but just in in general terms.
0: Absolutely not. You know, I, I think the closest that I can come was that was the after effects of 9-11 and how that changed the the dynamics of this country as we faced such a, you know, a, a wide scale tragedy. Um, but I, I haven't seen anything like this where we're all talking about, you know, the, the effects of the pandemic and how it's affecting our mental health. Uh, you know, we're all talking about things like vaccinations, which were never part of the social conversation before. So, no, I, I haven't seen anything like this.
1: And it seems to be going on for a long time. You know, like you, you just mentioned September 11th. That lasted in, in our conscience for a long time, but it, it seemed to fade away much more quickly than this pandemic is fading away. It's, this hasn't really faded away at all.
0: No, and I think one of the biggest challenges with the pandemic compared to 9-11, which was, you know, a fairly isolated incident, is that we just don't know where it's going to go. And one of the most uh, stressful things, or one of the things that causes us humans, at least, uh, the most stress is not uh, knowing what's going to happen in our environment. So not being able to predict and anticipate what's going to happen next. And that tends to, uh, create a feeling of helplessness or a lack of control, which for most humans is a is a source of stress because we just don't know how to anticipate or respond to what's coming next.
1: Now we're about eighteen months into the pandemic. Uh, pa- parents probably still need to talk to their children about certain things. Do you have any suggestions for how parents can uh, talk to their kids about about things that are going on?
0: That's an excellent question, and you know the answer is really dependent on the age of the child. So, for example, young children may not have as much of a sense of a, the larger context of the pandemic. They're just more, um, you know, they're, they're more attached to the immediate, you know, why can't I see my friends or why haven't I seen my grandparents? Um, and so for them, just explaining and creating what I call containers of safety, explaining what's happened in a developmentally appropriate way, so obviously not giving too much detail, but also, I think for all age groups, reaffirming the fact that, you know, we're, we're in this together. Um, I'm creating a safe space for you. No, I can't anticipate what's going to happen, but we are here together and we're going to get through this together and it's going to be OK.
1: Are there some signs or behaviors that kids could be uh, expressing that maybe lead parents to ask certain questions about their mental health? And mm-hmm. how, how do they do that?
0: I think that, you know, all of us are different. So to create a a kind of a generalization would be um, kind of a a, a not wise on my part. What I often suggest to parents is to look for changes in behavior. So changes in things like sleep patterns, eating patterns, um, no longer wanting to hang out with friends, um, no longer getting pleasure out of activities that used to be enjoyable um, things like, uh, of that nature that are a sign that something might be uh, might be wrong. But I think that for all of us, and I'll, I'll speak for myself personally, um, you know, changes in, in, in sleep and, and diet for, for a period of time or um, feeling stressed or anxious or frustrated, those things are all part of being human. It's when they persist when for parents, you're seeing, you know, your child's really acting a lot different than they typically would. That's when I would start, um, you know, paying more attention to it.
1: Yeah, especially like during the pandemic, everybody's very stressed out. So you, your behavior could be a little bit different anyway, because of, of the added stress. But if it's the the extreme behavior, I guess is what you're talking about, right?
0: Absolutely. And one of the things that we also know from the research is that uh, there's a thing called contagion um, around emotion and around stress. So if we are around people that are stressed or around people that are, you know, emotionally, um, say, uh, reactive or up and down, that those things tend to be contagious. And so it's important to be mindful of, you know, as a parent, Uh, what we're bringing and what we're putting into the situation, because sometimes children's behavior is actually a direct response to what we're bringing into the household as well. So it's important not just to focus on, oh, this is going on with my child, but also what is it within my child's environment that might be bringing this out?
1: Yeah, what's the family dynamic around all of this, right? Absolutely. We're talking today with Dr. Grace Bullock, Senior Mental Health Officer at the Oregon Department of Education. Now, are there some good examples of schools or school districts in the Portland metro area or elsewhere in the state that stand out as far as really addressing mental health?
0: I think there are many examples, probably far too many for me to, 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 to list. But, um, you know, earlier on in the school year, a lot of school districts really focused on creating spaces in, in their school buildings, you know, characterized by care and connection, prioritizing time to create relationships and, uh, you know, really ease back into the transition rather than diving right back into um, education proper. I know that there are districts like Murnier uh, School District, uh, just north and west of you, that have built calm spaces and calm rooms and really prioritized uh, giving both the staff and the students time and space if they're, you know, having emotional difficulties. Um, a lot of districts up in your area have hired um, more social workers and school counselors thanks to the Student Success Act funds. Um, there are examples in, you know, Hillsborough and Salem-Kaiser where the districts have um, brought in folks to actually work with families as system navigators to help families deal with uh, transitions and provide emotional support. Um, And uh, the Gresham Barlow School District, uh, I believe they dedicated all of September to promoting mental health and providing emotional support. So there's a lot of beautiful examples, not only in the Portland metro area, but across the state.
1: That's really great that the school districts have hired um, additional mental health focused staff. That's really fantastic. What about educators and the teachers and the the other staff? Are they having to step up and, and educate themselves on how to deal with this as well?
0: that's a great question. And it's also a tricky question. (laughs) So, um, I think that educators are much more sensitive to the, um, the emotional experiences of their students. I don't think that that's unique to COVID. What we have seen over the course of, you know, the last number of years is sadly an increase in students that are, um, you know, having emotional difficulties in schools. We can attribute that to a lot of different factors, but I think that, there's much more of an awareness on the part of teachers that mental health is really important to attend to in their classrooms. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we really encourage when, you know, teachers or counselors or anyone, parents included, are are trying to understand the behavior of a particular child is to really examine that behavior in context and not immediately jump to, this student is acting out or, you know, this child is depressed, but really think holistically about why might this child's behavior be different.
1: It's definitely a challenge for everyone. It's kind of crazy.
0: It is, you know, and and teachers and and school staff are also dealing with, um, you know, the the situations in their own homes and their own families with their own children um, and parents and illness and, you know, everything that you and I are experiencing in our, in our home lives teachers are experiencing that not only in their personal lives, but also in their school buildings. So that they really um, have an additional challenge, I think, that they're facing.
1: A few minutes ago, you mentioned the Care and Connection campaign, which is something you started. So let's talk more about that. Tell me about the Care and Connection campaign.
0: The Care and Connection campaign, uh, is just, it's been a real joy uh, to, to be part of it. It was inspired by a lot of the beautiful work that's been going on for years in many of Oregon's school districts where, um, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, districts are really prioritizing building relationships, creating space for students and, and staff to make meaning of their experience, which is particularly important right now because we're all experiencing so much That if we just kind of jam through life and pretend it's not happening, that's when we start seeing, you know, symptoms of depression and anxiety because we're not addressing um, the elephant in the room, for lack of a better um, expression. So what a lot of districts have done is they have, uh, at the beginning of the school year, dedicated time specifically to creating relationship time, relationship building time time for students to connect with each other, with their teachers, with their, you know, uh, school principals, etc. And I think that that's really made the transition back to the school year much, uh, well, I can't say much easier because I'm not a student, (laughs) but easier than it could have been had we just jumped into business as usual and not paid attention to the need to create space for that to happen at the beginning of the school year.
1: Yeah, what is, what's the experience been so far for students that you've encountered that are back to school full-time now for just a few months? What has their experience been so been like so far?
0: You know, I've heard a range of experiences. I, I have a number of educator friends that I connect with regularly as my, my own touch points around the work that I do. Um, a number of them said that this was probably one of the easiest transitions back to school this year because they took the time. They were seeing fewer behavior problems because students felt more supported and and teachers felt more supported. But I have, you know, continued to hear stories of parents who've had, you know, kiddos, for example, who don't want to go to school and um, that are afraid to go to school, that are afraid of COVID. And so it's not a a universal response. And I think that, you know, it speaks to the need for us to continue to uh, prioritize mental health throughout the school year and beyond because, again, we're still in the middle of this pandemic and um, it's going to bring up a lot of stress and anxiety for many people.
1: Yeah, what is what have you guys learned? What has the school district and the uh, Oregon Department of Education learned so far this year that you're going to carry forward and maybe become part of regular activity once the pandemic is over?
0: I think we've learned the value of uh, care and connection and relationship building and the, the necessity to build time and space for those activities, because they are so essential to learning. I think that, you know, particularly for school districts and education departments, our business is to educate, and um, we're now recognizing that social determinants of health, things like, you know, food and housing and access to health care. Um, et cetera, you know, access to mental health care, access to relationships and, and spiritual, you know, communities, those are really the things that are at the heart of what it is to be human and what we need in order to thrive. And so in order to really, again, create the conditions where students can learn and teachers can teach, we have to make sure that we're doing our best to have those things in place.
1: Well, it really sounds like Karen Connection is working here in Oregon. Do you think you could replicate this in other states? Or maybe not you, but it, it could be replicated in other places?
0: You know, we've, had, uh, we've been fortunate to have the opportunity to present this campaign and this work uh, in a number of national um, uh, arenas. And we've had quite a number of states that have been very interested in the work. Um, Delaware had said that they wanted to replicate this. Uh, there are a number of other states that we've been talking to that are interested and um, we have resources that we're sharing. They're they're all open access resources that we've created that we're sharing with um, whatever or whoever wants to use them. So um, it's exciting that States 3000 miles away are launching similar campaigns.
1: Yeah, for sure. Do you have some tricks to uh, maybe there's a student or or even an adult that just really doesn't want to open up about how they're feeling. Do you have any uh, advice on how to, how to maybe help them open up a little bit more?
0: You know, that's a really interesting question because we all deal with the need to to, to talk about our experience differently. And I think that in our culture, the expectation is that opening up is good or that we should all be opening up and speaking about our experience, which is, you know, very much um, driven by the dominant culture that we live in. But there are many um, other cultures and many other, uh, you know, individuals, myself included, who don't necessarily feel comfortable opening up about our experience. So I would say that it's important to give people space to show up in ways that they're comfortable. I think creating the space for that conversation is as important or maybe even more important than getting that information. Because when there's a trusting relationship, hopefully it will come over time. But if we probe and press, sometimes we're actually creating the reverse conditions where people do not want to talk. And I think that that's when we worry that we're creating the opposite effect that we're, we're hoping to achieve.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Creating the space where you can feel comfortable, uh, that that seems like that's the place to open up.
0: Absolutely. And for parents, you know, it could be taking your kids for a, a walk when you're walking your dog or, or you know, sitting down and playing a game, hanging out, watching TV. A lot of these things are very informal and don't need necessarily the you know, sit down at the table face-to-face having that conversation. A lot of that information, again, um, is exchanged just through taking time to care and connect, and and it doesn't need to be something that's necessarily structured.
1: In the last little bit of time we have here, can you uh, help us learn about some resources that are available for students and families that may be finding the return to school a little bit hard this year?
0: Absolutely. We have a, a website. It's Oregon.gov slash school. And that website has a tremendous amount of resources for families um, in, in lots of different you know, domains. There's public health information. There's educational information. We have a whole um, library, I'll call it, of mental health resources. We have um, care and connection campaign resources. There's a, there's a whole webpage devoted to that. Um, and then also, you know, your local school district or your local school, most likely has its own webpage that links to more local resources and of course most of the schools in oregon or at least in your area have uh, school counselors and other mental health professionals that can also connect you with resources if you're you're needing that and of course there's always the local county um, public health or behavioral health office as well
1: You've given us really invaluable information today. I'd like to thank you for being on the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: We've been talking today with Dr. Grace Bullock, Senior Mental Health Officer at the Oregon Department of Education. Thanks again. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just search for Let's Talk Portland on the Odyssey app. Let's Talk Portland is an Odyssey Portland public affairs program.